FCS Fans Nation, we are back. This is season four. I am the host tonight, Kyler Neal. Unfortunately, or fortunately, I mean, however you guys think of it, maybe you hate these two dudes, but Lawrence Smith is not going to be with us tonight, and either is the faithful Bison alumni, or Bison alumni, whatever you want to say, Matthew Frazee. But good news is we have the newest admin, the newest member of our team, the Vandal from hell, Tubbs of the Club alumni, Chris Hammond. Chris, how you doing, man? Good, good. Uh, being from the Harbor of the West, I've got to correct you there. You said either well. It should have been neither well, but, you know, that's why I'm on board. You know what? I <laughs> went to Eastern, and I didn't even graduate, so it does not matter what I say. Yep, fair, fair, fair. But, uh, yeah, I'm happy to be on. Um, you know, I, I see you guys finally read all my reviews I left last year that you guys don't argue enough, and it finally got me a spot at the table because you and I disagree on just about everything. So uh, hopefully we can entertain I mean, the people. I feel like I only disagree with you to help build a rivalry because it's you know, true. a lot of your takes, a lot of your takes, I'm like, all right, it makes sense. Um, but <laughs> I agree. I don't, I, I don't want to admit that to the people because you know what? Screw Idaho. This is going to be a fun one. Um, whatever you say on here, I'm probably going to be like, dude, that Harvard of the West guy, that dude sucks. Don't take any of his takes, you know. Uh, but but you know what? We'll wing it. I have not really read through any of the questions that the fans of FCS Fans Nation has left us. But we're going to do our best to talk through them and, yeah, get some opinions, man. Deal, dude. Deal. All right. So the very first one by Joshua Hoffman. So he wants to know. Considering the fact, you know, that Jabril Cox left, you know, it is what it is. He's at LSU now. He's pretty much their starting defensive linebacker looking good. Could NDSU have three first-round draft picks with Trey Lance, their um, big old lineman, uh, and then Jabril Cox? Uh, I'll, I'll go I'll go two. I mean, um, Jabril Cox – Still, I think it's probably an outside chance, but, I mean, playing at LSU is going to help. Problem is Mike Leach's offense just shredded up that defense two weeks ago, uh, but it's still early in the season. I mean, Trey Lance at this point, you can pencil probably in the top – guaranteed top ten, I would say probably in the top five to six. It what? just depends. You don't, you don't think Trey Lance is going to the first six picks? All right, here we go. Here we go. The first disagreement, man. First disagreement. <laughs> so – I, I went back and I actually did some math. I did some historic data to back up right. my opinion. So the third quarterback, he's projected to be the third quarterback in most and you know analyst draft picks. Wouldn't when you say it's Fields, Lawrence, well, Lawrence first, Fields, then Trey Lance? Or you yeah, I go Lawrence, Lance. Fields, and Lance. I feel like Fields and Lance are closer to whichever GM likes the other one more. Benefit the Fields is he has like – an entire season to play where, and we'll probably talk about the showcase game last week. Eh, Lance might've opened the door for field to solidify himself at two. Okay. So I think, and I've always thought this Lance is going the third quarterback overall. I don't think he has ever passed fields. Um, you know, one freshman season as, as amazing as it was, I don't think it, you know, overdoes the body of work that fields has. Um, but so I did a little historic data, you know, the past 10 years, thinking about where has the third quarterback gone on average. So Justin Herbert was – he went six overall as the third quarterback drafted. 
he is the only guy in the third quarterback spot that has gone top six. The average is about the 24th pick. There's been a couple that have fell outside of the third or outside of the second round into the third. And then there's a couple guys who have been in the top 10, but a majority are right around ranges from, you know, 15 to 30. And the average has been 24. I think Trey Lance does a little bit better than the average. So I do. I think he falls anywhere between 15 and 20, but it really depends on what teams you know, need a quarterback that are going to finish this NFL season. And I don't, I don't know which ones are going to be inside that top 15 mark, but I would, I would say he has a chance to be in the top 15, probably not top five, most likely top 10. It's going to be hovering, but I think, you know, 15 to 20 is a safe bet. Um, and I would say even has a chance to be in that top 15. Yeah. I mean, I, I see what you're saying, but I think this year more so than most years, I think we saw it with this really rich NFL offseason where we had a lot of quarterbacks. I mean, look how long it took Cam Newton to get signed. But I think a lot of these teams realized that they made a mistake. For instance, we'll see Nick Foles and Tom Brady are going to bat right now against each other. But, I mean, are we really? we'll see how Nick Foles' seasons go. I'm not a huge Nick Foles believer. Uh, so I think Chicago might be looking for another quarterback. They're three and up one right now, but, you know, chance that they're going to end up picking towards the top of the draft. You're looking at both New York teams. I don't think anyone in New York sold on Danny Dimes, and we've all said I've seen the drama on Sam uh, Darnold. So, I mean, you look at possibly both New York teams. Um, God, who is there's another team that's look 0 and 4. They'll probably be looking for a quarterback. Uh, I just think it's going to be possibly Jacksonville. I'm a big Gardner Minshew, Minshew Mania guy, but I mean, I think you're looking at four to five teams in the top 10 this year that are going to be looking at quarterback. I think you saw that with the offseason this year. I mean, yes, there's going to be guys like Jameis Winston that are probably going to get a deal out of being a backup spot. That's if Drew Brees doesn't retire. Uh, maybe Marcus Mariota gets a shot somewhere or comes in for the Raiders, and then Derek Carr kind of moves on, kind of like Tannehill last year. But I think you're going to see a lot of openings uh, specifically. I mean, just look at basically the entire NFC East. There's a chance that Dak Prescott just takes a new deal somewhere else because the Cowboys won't pay him. So you now have the 0-4 Cowboys, or 1-3 0-4 Cowboys looking to pick a quarterback. I don't think the Giants are set on Danny Dimes. I don't think the Redskins are set on Dwayne Haskins. And the Eagles right now, I mean, maybe they don't draft another quarterback, but it seems like they're pretty upset and out on Wentz at the moment. I doubt they would replace him with another NDSU guy. But, I mean, you're looking at basically the entire NFC East could be, I guess one of them won't be because they have to make the playoffs, picking in the top 10. But, I mean, you're going to have probably at least three of the four will probably have new quarterbacks next year. Probably all four. I really think, especially after this, you know, Central Arkansas game, most GMs, because there's 20 different scouts there. I really think all of them who are there are going to say, Trey Lance, man, he is an athlete. He's got tons of potential. He is not ready for the NFL this year as a starter. Um, Because what he does is he utilizes his legs. I mean, his legs are what sets up everything else. He struggles on third and long on passing, and that could just be making decisions. I noticed that versus top-tier defenses last year, and I said it to Matt Frazee, and he didn't believe me until the championship game versus James Madison, and he's like, "Uh, I guess maybe you were right. But where he excels (laughs) is on his legs. Do you really think he's going to be able to utilize those legs as much in the NFL with some of those D-lines? I think really he needs to – He's still young, guys. He is so talented. He is so young. I think he needs to sit behind an experienced you know, quarterback, and I think a lot of the scouts have said that maybe a year, 
maybe two years, you know, uh, maybe pull in a Jordan Love type of situation where they're like, all right, Aaron Rodgers is our quarterback for three more years. We're going to have this stud sit behind him. He's going to learn. He's going to be the next Aaron Rodgers, even though I don't think so. I think Jordan Love is a dud, but who cares what I think? But um, I, I think, yeah, I think right around 15 range is probably a good bet to where he'll land, in my opinion. But Chris is saying, you know, potentially top five. Yeah, and I, th- I think when you look at it, too, with Trey, I think you nailed it. Can he do it with his legs? We're not in your old NFL. I mean, look at Lamar Jackson. The guy basically makes every play with his leg. I know he, like, does – he's very underrated at his ability with a quarterback, like, being able to throw the ball downfield. But the quarterback position has evolved to where legs are – look at Kyler Murray. I mean, I don't think there's any difference between Trey Lance. I think Trey Lance is a better – pocket passing quarterback than both Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson. Now they might both be a little bit better with their feet, but I, I think he'd be fine. But I do agree with you. I think sitting behind somebody uh, would not be a bad idea. But then to your point, I don't think that means you can't go in the top 10. I mean, you look at Tua Tagovailoa sitting behind Ryan Fitzpatrick right now. You look at go, uh, Tua, didn't he go like number 10 or 11? Uh, okay. And then you look at Justin Herbert. I believe he no. Justin Herbert was number eleven. I think he no, sat Justin behind Tyrod Taylor. Yeah, Justin Herbert was number six, and he was projected to sit behind Tyrod all year until Tyrod got injured. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. There you go. You're looking at just last year. You have Justin Herbert taking sixth. You have Joe Burrow taking one, and you have Tua Tagovailoa taking five. So you had three quarterbacks taken in the top five, and other than Joe Burrow, both of them were sitting. So I think it's totally possible going to top six, sit a year like Patrick Mahomes, sit at the beginning of the year like Lamar Jackson. He didn't come in until late in that his rookie season with the Ravens. Uh, so I think you look at these days of you have to be picked in the top and start or moving behind him. So I, I think Trey Lance, I, I'll stand by that. I bet you by the end of the year, he goes, I'll put guaranteed in the top 10 and I will take a pick that he's gone in the first six picks. I like it. All right, that, yeah. that's already a hot take. Yeah, and Jabril uh, Cox will be a mid-first rounder. I think Jabril Cox will be in the second round, but I do think they're um, – I, I forgot his name. Rands or uh, North Dakota State's lineman, I think he will go in the top 20. He's projected, I think, 16 from everything I've seen, so he'll be in that top 20 mark. I think I lost you. Are you back? Oh, there you go. Yeah. All right. Well, I can edit that out. Um, all right. So Joshua Hoffman has one more question, then we'll move on. Um, and I'll answer this one first. And then, you know, you'll be my my closer since you, you already have a little bit of experience on this. Is North Dakota State one very large donor away from moving to the FBS? Um, you know, if that donor would say, hey, man, I'm going to build you a new stadium, but you need to go to the FBS. Here's the deal, guys. North Dakota State isn't a donor away from the FBS. They are an invite away from the FBS. But the thing is, what what conference right now is going to invite them? You know, maybe the MAC, maybe maybe the Mountain West. I think they would need to update their facility a little bit for the Mountain West. Um, but North Dakota State, I, I really do think the only reason why they're not in the FBS right now is because they haven't received an invite. I don't think it matters about the donors. I think it matters what conference is going to invite someone in North Dakota without a large TV market? Cool. North Dakota State football is awesome. They're doing really well. 
But, I mean, without a TV market, it's going to hurt the travel from Mountain West teams. Um, it's going to hurt the travel from MAC teams. And, of course, the P5. I know this this was really a power conference type question, I know, but I edited that out, Josh. But no Power 5 conference is going to invite North Dakota State. No Power 5 conference is going to invite anyone from the FCS right away. That is my honest opinion. They're going to have someone that's already proven at the FBS level that can make the jump. No one wants to see an FCS school jump right into the Power 5 because that weakens the Power 5, even as good as North Dakota State is. That is a perception. North Dakota State does not increase any Power 5 school It does or conference. It doesn't make any Power 5 conference better. If anything, you know, maybe they're another 500 team. But North Dakota State can make some of the G5 conferences better. But those conferences has not invited North Dakota State yet. Um, Chris, what's what's your opinion on this, man? Yeah, so, I mean, I agree with you. If you're a North Dakota State fan, like, don't be like, no offense to James Madison fans, but I know like they keep saying we're holding out for like the ACC or the AAC. When I think a lot of um, us, with, in our conversation, like the Sun Belt would have been a great pick. It, it's on its way up. I get it's not where you want to be, but it can be a stepping stone, and it's that foot in the door. So I think if you're North Dakota State, don't be waiting for the Big 12 or the Big 10 to give you an invite. I, you know, Maybe I would hold off on the MAC because I think the MAC is a whole this actually pandemic away from becoming maybe an entire FCS conference. But I, I think like, if you're them, it's probably better for you anyways to be in uh, the, the F's, like a, a group of five because look at the success Boise State's had. Look at the success – App State has had. Look at the success. Um, you, Idaho, Mike yeah. Marshall. You, no, not Idaho. Don't be like Idaho. <laughs> but uh, you, you look at like that kind of. You become what North Coast State is. You become a brand. You become somebody that people will tune in and see. People will be like, "Oh, you know what? It's late on a Friday. I'll watch the Bison play. Let's say they get an invite to the Mountain West. I'll watch them play Nevada. Uh, maybe they get an invite to the Conference USA." I'll watch them play Tulsa because they they are that brand. In fact, they're the biggest thing the FCS has to a Boise State or an App State where people around the country know about them and are starting – like for App State, they're all on the tail end of it, but uh, where people are just starting to get there where they'll they'll tune in and watch App State. But uh, I just think shooting for the Power Five is a mistake because for how much – I mean, some of them might take offense to this. For how much you like being – uh, a powerhouse and the biggest argument i always hear from people when they talk about uh the fbs versus fcs right is well why would i want to not play i have a chance at a championship north dakota state will never win a national title at the fbs level and to be frank playing in the big sky every, or the big 10 every year they would be a team that's fighting for bowl eligibility uh, on good years after a while they might come in hot but at the end of the day, their budget is going to be probably the smallest in the Big Ten. So eventually they're going to be – I'd say I still say they'd be a better program than Indiana, but maybe like a Minnesota or something like that. And then if you're a North Coast State fan, or is that what you want? Do you want to be the team that, – and don't get me wrong, that's what Idaho was, right, for the 20 years we were there, was we got three bowl games. And when you have bowl games, they're great. But I feel like North Coast State's fan base is a little bit more hungry than that. And for that, I would say, don't you want to be a Boise State or an App State – that constantly is winning your division, going to bowl games, UCF, flirting with, 
you know, the hopefully one of these teams eventually is going to break into the Power Five. They said nobody would ever do it in the BCS. It happened three or four times. So eventually somebody's going to get in. Don't you want to be that team? Be the team that smokes everybody in the MAC every year and then possibly plays a bunch of big guys at their house home and away. Be that team. That is more North Dakota State to me. Be the be the UCF and the Boise State and the App State of the MAC or the Conference USA. You don't have to go to the Big Ten to be a big name in the FBS level. And as far as the TV market goes, you look at uh, North Dakota State's population right now is about 124,000. That is actually, I believe, further along than Boise, Idaho was when Boise made the jump in 1995. So it's not all about TV money. It's not all about location. If you have a winning program like North Dakota State and you're in the one of the larger up-and-coming markets in the country, I mean, yes, it's still going to be hard. I'm not saying it's easy. It's not like they're in, for instance, if this was Sac State, and like you get a poll from all of Sacramento, but... I, I think it is doable, and I do think I, – I don't know what it will take for them to go. I think that problem is they're very content where they are, unlike when you see like an Idaho made the jump or an App State when they made the jump or Georgia Southern who had won some championships and then not won in a while or everything like that. North Dakota State right now has won, what, eight, seven of the last eight, eight of the last nine, whatever it is, a, a, a metric butt-ton of championships, so much so that they have to replace their trophy t- case – every year from the weight of those titles. I just don't see until they start to lose a little bit of that shine going the way to get for us to get that shine back is be the next program to make the jump. Yeah, I really do think we will see North Dakota State eventually make the jump. I do think conferences will start to invite them because especially maybe a struggling conference. Maybe, like the Mac. I think the Mac. Yeah, the Mac I think is actually perfect. I know you said, you know, they're they're the co- another covid away from joining the FCS. But maybe they need another strong conference or a strong team to go in there to elevate it so they can be competitive versus Conference USA. So they can be competitive versus Sunbelt. Right now, the Sunbelt's looking damn good. And I think James Madison fans, you better be scratching your heads why you didn't make the jump. Um, Yeah, Chris said you were waiting for a Power 5 or um, AAC invite. I don't know if it's going to happen that way. I think... I really do think you need to go into one of the lower G5s. If you ever want the dream, the pipe dream of going P5, you need to prove your worth. You need to make your way into a lower G5 conference. Um, maybe maybe just because there's a lack of teams out West, the Mountain West might extend an invite, but that's about it. Those are your options. The MAC, maybe Conference USA, maybe Mountain West. Um, the, the P5 pipe dream is far away unless you join one of those, Josh. Um, but I do think NDSU will eventually make the jump once they get some conference invites. And I think they can make a splash. I think they could be a Boise state. It would take a little bit of time. They're not going to be a Boise state overnight. App state was not app state overnight. You know, it's taken them a good five years and now they are a power in the G five level where they're looking pretty damn good. Yeah. As far Um, as everybody that's worried about travel too, like, well, none of them are a great fit. Like we're we'll a little too to far from the Mountain West. Bastards. Yeah, we're we're not we're too far from the Mountain West. We're too far from the Mac. I mean, you look. Yeah, West Virginia in the Big Ten, or sorry, the Big Twelve. You had Idaho and New Mexico State played in the Sun Belt both twice. Like travel is not always like that big of a deal. And I get that people are like, well, that's not you know fun. Like especially Idaho to the Sun Belt, but like North Dakota State would fit in well with the Mac footprint, you know, the kind of the Midwest vibe. Like, they would be able to form rivalries there, even if they are a little bit further away. I mean, Buffalo's in it, so it's not like it's a totally compact conference. But, 
yeah, I, I think the Louisiana Mac would be a great fit. Yeah. Louisiana Tech was in the Mac. Um, San Diego is all the way on the East Coast in the Pioneer yeah, League. If exactly. You're worried about travel. I, I, guess what? The Big Sky does it more than anyone else in the country in the country right now, besides San Diego. And none of us are bitching. Well, maybe yeah. we're bitching a little bit, but it's not the biggest ordeal. Yeah. And this comes from an Eastern fan who's having ac- or financial problems at their school, and even they're not complaining about the amount of travel. So North Dakota no, State it, would be fine. It's because Idaho came in, and now we can actually bus to a couple games. It's, <laughs> it's nice. We don't have to fly to every single game. Um, so faithful Jamie Williams, who we tailgated with last year at the championship game, he asks, what are you doing You know, this fall since there's really not many FCS games? Yeah, so uh, man – for me, I'm just watching guilty pleasure. I've been watching a lot of FBS football because since we've joined, obviously, with starting podcasts and being a part of this whole group and really um, working on my FCS stuff, I've really been focusing back on the FBS and I've really been tuning into the select few FCS games that I don't typically watch. I can honestly say I didn't. I don't think I've watched a Central Arkansas game outside of the playoffs ever until this year. I don't think I'd ever watched a Stephen F. Opson. I definitely had never watched a Houston Baptist game until this year. <laughs> so that, and then for any of the gamblers out there, like FCS lines, especially against these FBS teams, are easy money. And I've been just cleaning house on the the gambling side of, of the FCS during this. So it's been great. And really, I'm just enjoying this nice little FCS appetizer before we get a full FB or FCS season this spring at the time of the announcement, I was very livid about playing in the spring, but now I'm like, I get a little bit of UCA here. I get a little bit of Eastern Kentucky there. I get a little Austin P down here and then I'm going to get a whole fire, or, you know, eight course, 10 course talking weeks here season in the spring with a championship and Frisco in May instead of January. I'm, I'm just stoked, but still football. That's, that's been my fall. Still football. Yeah. I've been, um, I've been watching a lot of FBS football, NFL, you know, some of the FCS games. I still haven't watched all the FCS games. Some of them just have not intrigued me. I'm not going to lie. Um, I know this is an FCS podcast, but some of them still just don't do anything for me. If, if you're not a team that has been in the top 80 ever, I really don't care about your team or, or to spend a couple hours watching them when I can watch another FBS game. Uh, but what I've been doing really is, you know, Chris, I've, I've got into card collecting recently. So it's, it's been mainly been NBA and NFL, um, but I got some Cooper Cup cards, which has been pretty awesome. Some Samson cards, you know, really trying to focus on the Eastern one for NFL players. But then I've been doing a little side hustling of buying cards and reselling them. Um, so I unlocked a couple Zion Williamson cards and sold those really kind of the next day after I opened the pack and uh, it paid for the whole box. So that's what I've been doing on my free time. It's, it's a little interesting, but it's been fun. Wait, like you're talking like actual physical, like old man with baseball cards. Yeah, cards? But with football and NBA. And people yeah. are actually buying these? Like you got a Zion Williams card and somebody actually paid you money for it? Dude, the the NBA card game has exploded the last couple of years. I bought a box for about, what was it, $19. And the cards that I got in there, I made 350 bucks off it. Now? What? Now that does not happen all the time. I bought another box and I, um, you know, for 19 bucks or 40 bucks. Cause I bought it on eBay. You couldn't find them in the store. 
and I've only made about $20 off the cards in that box. So, you know, it's a gamble. It depends on who you get. But yeah, Zion Williamson cards are going for like 30 bucks, 40 bucks. John Morant's are going for like 40 bucks. It all just depends, man. Dang. Uh, well, hey, if you get a, a Colin Dredd card, the Idaho guy playing for the Bulls, dude, I'm I'm in. Get, I'll, I'll buy that. I'm not giving you 40 bucks, but I'll give you like a penny. But apparently, if Jamie asks this question next week, I will be up to sports gambling and NBA card collecting. <laughs> now, yeah, NBA card collecting, man. You what you got to do is you got to wait till the season. It's dying down now since the playoffs. You know, it's it's the finals right now, and the finals are about to be over. But the NFL cards are exploding. So if you see like a box of Panini mosaics at a Target or at a Fred Meyer, wherever you guys are at, and they're selling for nineteen bucks, that same day you could put it on eBay and make fifty bucks just by not even opening the box. So I I recommend. And that, that is like a guarantee flip. $45 to $55. If you find a box, don't even open it. Now, if you want to gamble, you can open it. See if you get a Joe Burrow's card. His card's going for like 40 bucks. But yeah, it, it all depends. Who buys these and why do they buy them? Like I get like, like Pokemon said, and Magic and crap because like you can like actually play like a physical card game with them. But you can't play like a card game with these, can you? Like, Are you like setting starting lineups and like sitting across the table from somebody? Or is it literally just collecting? It's it's literally collecting, but this is over my money. head. Next question. It's been blowing up, but that's what I've been doing. I've been making money, so that's awesome. um, I'm not I'm not in it for the collecting. I'm literally in it just just to make some extra money, maybe some FCS football money. Um, Pay so for our favorite, out. yeah, exactly. Our favorite lady admin, aka the only lady admin, Kelsey Hatch. She asks, what game were you most bummed about, you know, that your team missed playing this fall? So we'll talk about Eastern Washington and Idaho. I think it's pretty easy for me. The only game I am super bummed about is, you know, Florida. We will probably never get another opportunity to play for Florida. It was also, we made, what was it, $750,000. That's what we were planning on making off them. We, we don't have that game anymore. The only reason why we got the game was because Florida's, head coach at the time when he was scheduling big sky teams was an Eastern Washington alumni. That ship has sailed. We've never played an sec team. I would have loved to go to the swamp this year. I would have loved to play Florida. I would have loved to get the paycheck. I would have loved to get our asses kicked by 60. I do not care. That was the game that I really wanted to see everything else that I cared about. You know what? We'll, we'll be playing the teams I care about in the spring. So that's the only game I'm kind of still bummed about. Yeah, for me, without getting uh, throwing too much fire on this, because uh, we've had conversations with Kelsey about this in the chat, uh, Temple, just because I don't care about going to Philadelphia, but we that was still scheduled to be played. We were going to be one of these teams playing a game in the fall, but the uh, powers that be, a couple of schools may have complained uh, to the Big Sky Conference about the fairness of some teams getting to play, so we weren't able to play it. Losing a well, it wasn't luckily a payday, but I was a little. I felt robbed that we still had a school who wanted to play us and we weren't allowed to. But if I can just throw a little, a little knowledge on everybody, the thing I'm most sad about that COVID has canceled is Idaho versus Washington State in basketball. Little known history fact: it's actually the longest running consecutively played out of conference rivalry in the entire country. And because of COVID, it will. The Pac-12 said they will not be doing any out of conference games in basketball either. So this will be the first year since, like, I I don't even know how long, a long time that Idaho and Washington State, which are separated by seven miles, will not play, which is kind of a, a sad thing on the Palouse. 
Yeah, I'm actually, if you're talking about basketball, man, I'm really bummed. Um, and I don't know for sure because what basketball is going to be played in November. Yeah. Is that correct? So yeah. I, I don't know for sure how the out of conference is going to work, if we're going to be able to have, play a couple or not. But we were going to play Notre Dame this year. Actually, Eastern Washington basketball had Oregon, Washington State, Notre Dame. We had some you know powerful teams that we were going to play, and I'm going to be really bummed that we don't get to play Notre Dame. Yeah, but if I can say it, and I know that half the people, over half the people listen to this, uh, the game I'm most bummed about was Oregon versus North Dakota State. Uh, my brother is an Oregon alum. We were going to go to the game. I was gonna. I had my North Dakota State shirt on, like uh, that Matthew Frazee got me. Uh, I my national championship one when they you know, beat Eastern. Uh, I you know I had my North Dakota State stuff ready. I was gonna go and fully rock the Bison because I was. It was annoying. I was in a weird spot, and I was just sure most FCS fans will see until a certain point here in my story. Uh, man, I wanted to see somebody beat North Dakota State. I'm tired I, being here for two years. Like they haven't lost. I think they lost South Dakota State my first year of following it, but it's like they just keep winning and winning. And I kind of want somebody just to just to knock them down a bit. I think they're good for the FCS winning, but like just a little bit. And they haven't really played anyone big because everybody's afraid to play them. I get it, but I was kind of like, all right, Oregon. You know, they're going to be really good this year. Like I kind of want them to get the nudge. But then, like listening to the Oregon fans and just how unrationally confident they were that they were going to be able to beat. North Dakota State by a ton. I was like, you know what? Now I really want North Dakota State to prove the fear of the FCS and take out what was going to be probably a top 10, maybe top six team from the Pac-12. I want to have them catch them before the Ohio State game and maybe even beat them by a couple touchdowns. So I was kind of – that game I missed because I started really pulling for Oregon and then getting to like hear the Oregon people's point of view on – North Dakota State and the SCS, I was like, no, like, this team's good, and I kind of hope they come in and just spoil your day. So I'm bummed that one's gone. Yeah. I'm bummed that one's gone too, but um, kind of because of the opposite of what you said, and it was more the beginning. I think Oregon was going to beat them by 24-plus, maybe even in the 30s, especially, at, especially since we saw what North Dakota State looked like in their first game. Oregon was going to put a beat down on North Dakota State, and Guys, I, I'm a fear the FCS kind of guy. I like rooting for the FCS. But I wanted to wanted to have a team, especially a West Coast team, that you guys have not really seen before. You guys compare you guys compared Oregon to Iowa, you know, Iowa and Minnesota when those recruiting classes were in the 70s in the FBS. Oregon is a top 10 recruiting. Their talent is unreal. Oregon was going to light you up. I don't care what any of you North Dakota State fans think. I still heart y'all. But Oregon was going to light you up, and I would have been there eating popcorn, laughing all the way to the banks. Speaking of which, I think we have a bet. It just hit me. I might have to go look. I think I just I still lost it, but I recall I was making a bet on that Central Arkansas North Dakota State game, like after Week Zero when North or Central Arkansas struggled and you said their quarterback sucked. I think I said like I still think they might cover the spread, or like I said, give me like seventeen and a half or something like that. Because you said they win by forty. And that game was a lot closer than it, you thought it was going to be for sure. I might have oh, once, I, I might have to go back and look at that. I think you might owe me a beer or something. We'll we'll see. We'll report next you know, podcast whether you owe me a beer. <laughs> I am I am totally okay to buy you a beer because you know what? Anytime North Dakota State does not look godly, I am happy to buy someone a beer. Um, so I don't really remember the bet, but I believe you. And if that was the bet, yes, I'm happy to buy you a beer. 
Um, <laughs> I'll buy you a beer when we're, you know, in Frisco. In Frisco. There you go. All right. So Brandon Owens, Brandon, I don't want to do all of this because I think that will take way too long. And some of it is kind of, kind of useless. But if you had to rank, he says a top 15, let's just do top five. If you had to rank the top five teams playing right now, what would they be? Um, I will go right off the, you know, right off the bat and go North Dakota state, obviously central Arkansas. Um, they would be my number two. Uh, I'm going to say Jacksonville state. They did play decent in the first half, you know, versus Florida state, even though Florida state's trash. And then Florida state did what they were supposed to do against them in the second half. Then I'm going to go Houston Baptist, uh, for number four. And then, you know, probably EKU for my number, my number five. Wow, you moved EKU all the way up. That's like uh, so. I have been doing a a top fifteen all season. Um, I have not done it for this week, so let me do a quick look at last week's and do my adjusting here. Um, I do have North Dakota State one. I will actually keep UCA at two. I never moved them out of two. Uh, I will go Jacksonville State at no. I'll go Houston Baptist at three. Jacksonville State at four. Campbell at five. I'll go Austin P six, Citadel seven, Stephen F Austin eight, Chattanooga nine, Abilene Christian ten, Western Carolina eleven, Mercer twelve. I'll go Eastern Kentucky thirteen, North Alabama fourteen, and Missouri State fifteen. What Missouri State fifteen? I lost all faith in them, man. You know I was hot on them because of Bobby Petrino, and I know uh, that they beat. God, they they did. would toe-to-toe with Central Arkansas. Yeah. They would have, They would beat most of your top 15 from the crappy teams that are playing this fall. I don't believe in them anymore. Bobby Petrino needs another year. <laughs> they they lost to Oklahoma. I, like, was it 35 zip at the end of the first? And that's when I was like, damn you, Bobby. But Yeah, uh, but then they took you know, Central Arkansas down to the wire. They actually had a chance. They were leading against Central Arkansas for a I while. gave them a top 25 vote at the beginning of the season. Well, that was just dumb. Uh, <laughs> it's still it's still Missouri State. They're, you know, dead they're to one me. of the they're one of the worst big three teams, but they're but still they got a big coach. Than, they're still better than six of you know the top five. I don't that. Teams that are playing right Chattanooga now. hasn't played yet, so I might need to move them with them. Like I'm going totally off my week four without having their results in front of me. Um, and just kind of throwing it where I where it was, but I, I'll I'll stick by at least my top five. You're right, my six through fifteen could probably use a little bit of revision. But Missouri State, I'm still I'm telling you, they're not cracking my top ten. No, really, only the top three matter to me. Um, where I think they're the only ones that are relevant in the spring. But Houston Baptist looks, they do look good, man. Dude, I, I, got I just feel bad for them. You know Texas. Back. Texas Tech has given Bailey Zapp a come transfer this spring. He, we, I don't think we see him play ball this spring at the FCS level. Isn't he a senior? <laughs> uh, yeah, but he could still have eligibility. You think he's getting drafted? That's the only way he's leaving, right? No, no, but can you transfer and still play the same season? I don't know how that works. Yeah, so everybody that played this year is – like they're not even counting it eligibility-wise. So everybody is going to be the same class status next year. So he could technically grad transfer still and play in the fall for somebody else next year. Oh, dang. Texas Tech may grab him. <laughs> yeah. I was like, after that game he put up against Texas Tech, I'm surprised they let him leave Lubbock. So, Dude, he has 
He has 15 touchdowns and only one interception right now. He is yeah. murdering. Yeah, and I think uh, some FBS teams have seen it, and I would imagine that he doesn't even play if Houston Baptist tries to play in the spring. I haven't seen what their plans are, but uh, I would not be surprised if somebody says, hey, you want to transfer in December and get a shot at our starting job, um, You know, much like we saw with Kevin Thompson and those guys. So, uh, dude, I see him on, on a team somewhere in the in the spring. I, Sorry. I, I could actually yeah, see it now. FBS. I didn't know how it worked with all the eligibility, but I could totally see it. Yeah, this I'm year doesn't you. count towards um, eligibility unless you want it to count towards eligibility. That's why, like, that's Trey Lance and these guys can leave after one game. He can basically be like, yep, yeah, I played a whole fall season, I'm out. Where if he didn't want to, he could basically come back next year and be a redshirt sophomore again. So that's nuts. it's going to be weird. And it's going to be weird for scholarships for some the FCS especially because – you got to pay for all these kids that decide they're going to stay. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It, it's, it will be crazy to figure out what's going to happen with all these transfers, you know, from the fall to spring, even the fall to next fall. Uh, um, so Jacob Martinez, I believe he's a Kennesaw state guy. He asked, how do you think the spring national championship game will be viewed? If it happens at all, you know, with the insanity of scheduling, um, and rosters and possibly game cancellations. Will the winners really even be considered the real champions? I'm going to say absolutely. As long as there's an FCS spring conference, which or you know spring season, like we all think it's going to be 16 team playoffs. It's already been approved. I mean, I, I don't know how you can't consider, consider them the national champions. Sure, Trey Lance is going to be out of North Dakota State. Are you still going to think North Dakota State's not going to be one of the favorites? Um, I think if you go through the rigorous playoff, because the FCS playoffs is crazy no matter how you look at it. If you win a 16-team playoff, 2014 playoff, whatever the playoffs are, you are considered the, the national championship or the national champions. I don't care what anyone else says. Yeah, if you win through the FCS playoffs in the spring, you are the 2020 or 2020 and a half national champions. Yeah, and, and no offense to anyone you know, congrats. You got to play in the fall smart for some of these programs. You get a lot of eyes. You wouldn't typically get, but let's be a hundred percent candid here. Not the only schools in the 15 schools playing that would even remotely be contenders this year. Come spring, like even have a relevant picture here. Central Arkansas, North Dakota state, JSU, and Austin P. Everybody else uh, is. Who else do you think? Austin P's done. They're already out of the playoffs, man. <laughs> well, no, no, that's what I'm saying. Is these guys, even if they were playing in the spring, they're the only schools that actually would be factors. So you're looking at it. Yeah. UCA and Austin P aren't playing, but JSU, aren't they planning on playing? And North Dakota State is playing in the spring. Yeah, everyone is planning on playing besides, um, from what I'm aware of, um, Central Arkansas. You know, yeah. Austin P. they're already done. They're ready for spring. JSU's, they're ready for spring. Um, some of the Southland teams, I don't exactly remember how many games they are playing, but I know Central Arkansas is only playing in the fall. Yeah. So and like, I don't think they're a true contender anyway. They played a really good game against North Dakota State, but I, they would not be even to this day even how they played. They wouldn't be one of my favorites to – yeah. Um, you know, win the national championship. So other than North Dakota State, who's playing, uh Central Arkansas, who's not playing, Austin P, who is playing, and that's the Citadel who is playing. 
everybody like no offense to North Alabama, Mercer, West Carolina, Chattanooga, like they weren't going to be in the playoffs anyways. So it does not impact my decision on whether North Dakota State goes on and wins again, whether North Dakota State is champion again, or JMU, or Montana State. Like, it is the teams that our players are playing. In fact, maybe even more so than ever because NCA and T is probably going to get a bid this year. We might have even more of a national champion than we ever have just because we have all but one conference now, the Ivies, well, two, the SWAG not participating, but that could also change by the time it rolls around. So I go, even with possible cancelizations and everything, if you make the playoffs and you win the playoffs, you're a champion because all the heavy hitters, the Big Sky, the CAA, and the Missouri Valley, and even for that matter, the Southland and SoCon are going to be playing. So there's no way you can't be. Sorry, East Kentucky, North Alabama, Abilene Christian, Campbell, like you had an awesome go at it in the fall. You got some eyes on you, but you weren't going to be a player in the spring anyways. So whoever wins the spring is the national champion. Even if UCA had gone miraculously undefeated in the fall, whoever won the spring was national champion. They made the decision to play in the fall. Whoever wins the spring is the champ. No questions asked. They're not in a bubble. They're not, you know, it's not like the NBA where they had to do some weird thing to get it going. It's going to be like, they're doing right now. You're going to play. You're going to go to a playoffs and play teams not in your conference. And if you win that, how can't you be champ? That would be my question to you. How would somebody not become champion? Yeah, I, I agree. The only one that will happen is if North Dakota State loses and they don't have Trey Lance, all of their fans will be like, you're not the real champ. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, but that's just their fans. Like yeah. every everybody else will be like, <laughs> sweet, you dethroned North Dakota State. Congratulations, James Madison. Or, uh, you know, whoever the heck else. Nah, I mean, uh, no, I'm not going to pump people up on that because that's not happening. But <laughs> I'm pumping. No um, hot, not hot takes on uh, my first time as a uh, co-host instead of a guest. Uh, not not shooting the Idaho flag too high. Well, dang, because, you know, this leads up to our next question. So from Bob Marshall, if the bracket is held in the spring and if Trey Lance opts out, which obviously has now, who are going to be the top four seeds? Uh, let's, let's. These are hot takes. This is a very early, way too early. It is, and now I gotta like go back to July when all this stuff was fresh in my head. Um, okay, I think you do. You do a little bit of a flop here, right? Uh, I think one thing you got to take into consideration when doing this is a lot of the teams I had down because I was like, you know, going into this, there's no spring ball, there's limited summer ball. So you look at half, over half the Big Sky, only two returning projected returning starters in the Big Sky. So teams that were starting a new quarterback, are you going to see that out of nowhere team like you usually do? Because these quarterbacks haven't come in. You look at somebody like Cal Poly, who has a new quarterback and new coach. So it's like possible. I mean, I know Jalen Hamler could win it, but it looks like Hunter Rackett's going to win it. You know, so they're trying to learn a system and get used to a new guy. But time has changed. People are practicing. So those teams are now going to be back in the picture. So what we thought maybe even July has changed a bit. And the fact that Trey Lance and maybe some other players have announced they're not going and they're preparing for the draft. But until proven otherwise, I said last year, I got egg on my face. I was like, new coach, new quarterback, North Dakota State, this is the year they take a drop back. And they proved me wrong and went 16-0 and won the freaking ship. So uh, I'll go NDSU one. I think South Dakota State's probably still your two. Um, I think this year, you know, 
you know, I don't know. Actually, I I'll go Montana State to set a South Dakota State three. I don't think they'll put two teams from one conference there. Um, and then I will say whoever wins the CAA will be four. I have a hankering it's going to be James Madison, but I'm not going to like discount Villanova if that makes sense. So yep. I, whoever wins the CAA, I think will be the four seed. I think you'll have the winner of the Big Sky be two. North Dakota State one, and then probably South Dakota State or Northern Iowa, whoever works out better between there will be three. So I think this is going to be really weird because there's not going to be out of conference games. So we're not going to be able to see is South Dakota State really that good if they're seven and one or mm-hmm. six and two. Um, I do think this opens a door for a Kennesaw State type of team if they run their conference. If they go undefeated, and some of the other teams are seven and one. Sure, the seven and one team still might be better, but without that auto conference schedule, you really can't grade the conferences as well as we used to be able to before. So that opens a door. You're gonna see maybe one undefeated team from one of the lower, not big three conferences get that four seed. I really do think that's gonna happen as long as one of them goes undefeated. And the one I think is gonna go undefeated is Kennesaw State. So I'm gonna say Kennesaw State's four. I think James Madison. Looking at their schedule, yeah, they could potentially lose to Nova, you know, someone like that. But I, th- I still think their talent is another light year away. Um, I think James Madison, you know, they've been in the top two, three out of the last four years. And even that fourth year, they were still right around a top 10 team. I don't know if they go undefeated. I- I'm not sure. I think the CA overall is down anyway. I'm just going to pick James Madison. It's kind of the cop-out pick. Um, I'll give them the three seed. The big sky's interesting, man. I we still haven't seen the final schedules. We don't know what it's going to look like. Yeah. Um, Before you get into that, though, I've got to disagree with what you said. Which I, the fact that you think because the way this year set up without a conference schedules, you think that this is the year a team can sneak in. I'm going back to the beginning of this when we talked about North Dakota State and the FBA uh, group of five cracking the FBS college football playoff. I think because we don't know how good these schools are out of conference in terms of Kennesaw State can't go and play a JSU or a Weber State or a Youngstown. I think people are going to go, you played the Big South, which is usually considered a bad conference. Therefore, we're going to reward the known commodities, the Missouri Valley, the Big Sky, the CAA, maybe the Ohio Valley, SoCon, SWAT, or Southland. But... I think you're going to see the big three sweep the four. I think this year it's going to be just like how the draft was without having pro days where people didn't take FCS products because they didn't get to go to pro days. They went with known products. I'm going to take the guy from Alabama because I know what Alabama can do. Even if he was supposed to be a sixth rounder and this FCS guy was supposed to be a third rounder without seeing the FCS guy, I'm going to take the – Alabama guy, right? I think you're going to see that where you're going to be like, yeah, Kennesaw went seven and zero, and maybe Northern Iowa went, you know, six and two, seven and one. But you're going to be like, but their two losses are South Dakota State and North Dakota State, known products, and they played a conference that we know is better than the Big South. So I think those schools are going to get the benefit of the doubt, and it's even less likely that somebody from like the Big South or the Northeast, or one of the non-Big 3 conferences, other than maybe the Southland Ohio Valley, sneak into the four. I think because the Southland Ohio Valley have some name brands and a little bit deeper of a conference, maybe. But I still think even for them, it's nearly impossible. I think it's going to be the Big 3 sweeping the four. So I would say um, 
I'd counter a little bit because I do agree with what you're saying. They'll, they'll really rank what's known. But you look at Kennesaw, what they did last year. In the playoffs, they almost beat Weber. They went to the quarterfinals again. Or, yeah, they've, they've been to the quarterfinals, you know, the last couple of years. Um, they almost took off Weber, which ended as the third best team in the FCS last year. And that was Kennesaw's down year. That was the first class we've ever seen them lose. If they go undefeated, you look at their playoff history from what they've been able to accomplish as a brand new football team, only having football for five years. I do think that holds a little bit of weight. And I do think it kind of coincides with what you are saying, because we know what to expect from Kennesaw. But they're not even conference champs last year either though. Like, yeah, and they, they, and they lost still knocked it. off Weber. They yeah. almost knocked off Weber. True. But, I mean, let's put it this way. Like, let's say North Dakota State's undefeated, Montana's undefeated, and uh, Villanova's undefeated. And then you have a 7-1 and JMU, a 7-1 and Eastern Washington, and a 7-1 and South Dakota State. You really tell me you're putting 7-0, and 8-0 Kennesaw over those three? Would I personally know? Do, do you I think, think, the do committee, think the committee? Do I think the committee might? Possibly. We've seen we've seen Jacksonville State. You know they did not have nearly the strength of schedule as anyone else that you've mentioned. You know, going those records, but they had an undefeated Ohio Valley record for a long time, and their OOC was trash. They weren't playing any really good teams in the out of conference, and they were getting top four seeds. So I do think it's possible when you have a full resume, it's undefeated versus maybe a team that's seven and one. Yeah, I just I'm like on the it's a two percent chance of happening train where it sounds like you're more on like the ninety percent chance. No, 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 I am not on the ninety. I'm just I'm, this is my guess. I would say I'm I'm forty sixty. I'm just okay. trying to think that this is pro- might be what happens. Anyway, going a little bit of outside the box. I, I um, interrupted so then, you on your big sky take. So the big sky is going to be very interesting because we also don't really know what the home schedule is going to be like. I don't think we're going to see any undefeated team in the big sky this year, unfortunately. But until I know what the schedule looks like, because like for Eastern Washington last year or, you know, going into this year, um, all of our tough games were at home. That's Idaho, Weber, Montana State, Montana. We have played lights out at home the last multiple years, even the whole decade, even in our down years, we normally play good at home. So it all depends on what the schedule comes out with. But I do think a big sky team between Montana, Montana State, Weber and Eastern Washington will get that last pick. So it'll either be anywhere from a two to four seed. See the big. The only problem I have with the Big Sky and picking schedules is like last year everybody picked Eastern as the consensus. I think not quite. UC Davis got some votes, but most educated people had Eastern Washington sweeping because everyone said they had the easiest schedule. But what's weird, and we all know this from the Big Sky, every year you have a Sac State, a UC Davis, a Southern Utah. It just comes out of nowhere. So all of a sudden, that really easy game where you had to go down to San Luis Obispo in week seven, right before a bye week, is actually like, holy crap, Cal Poly's rolling with Hunter Rackett and Bo Baldwin. And all of a sudden, this is a tough game. And, oh, we expected you know, this team to be – we would expect UC Davis to be a lot better. And now they're trash, and we thought we avoided having them on the schedule. But now we could actually beat them. And So you just never know in the big sky because a team – just comes out of nowhere every year. I mean, for Christ's sakes, man, Portland State won the entire league one time. Portland State. When did they when did they win it? Weren't they co-champs in like 2015, 2016? Yeah. Um, I don't remember if they were co-champs or if they finished second. No, they finished second place. 
They just they were a seed over Southern Utah, which is crazy because their strength of schedule is way better because they had two FBS wins that year. They smoked Texas State or North Texas like 66-0, and then they beat Washington State. But they went, and I'm could be totally making this up, but I think they went six and two in conference. Southern Utah went seven and one, and Southern Utah actually won the conference. But Portland State got the seed, and Southern Utah did not. See, yeah, I just you might have to fact check me on that. But it's just a point. And then between Southern Utah a couple of years later, and then you look at UC Davis, and then you look at Sac State last year. Like every year, the Big Sky has some team that comes out of nowhere, which makes it just not even worth um, going. But yes, you are correct. So that year, I am. It's Southern Utah finished seven and one. Portland State finished six and two. Montana finished six and two. So wow, yeah, that was that, a weird year in the Big Sky. That Portland State team will never win a conference championship. When you they, play at Hillsboro High, you're not going to do it. Hey, you know, people crap on Hillsboro High. It's actually a fun place to watch a game. I wouldn't want to play there, but it's a good it's a good away <laughs> game for sure. I've, I've driven by it this summer. Um, it's it's a pretty good, you know, I make fun of it for high school. It's a pretty good high school stadium. Like, if you have to play there, oh, well. It's so far away from Portland State, though. Like, I would hate playing there. I would almost just give up on football. Or build another one. But, hey, all right, let's 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 keep the ball rolling. We had giant news this offseason. Jackson State, probably the sexiest hire. Roll over Ed McCaffrey with Northern Colorado. We don't care about you anymore. The <laughs> biggest, sexiest hire of all time, Dion Primetime Sanders. How do you feel about this hire, man? Dude, it's – have you seen the stuff that he's already been able to do? I mean, I know, like, the TL is going to be the wide receiver coach and all that stuff turned out to be fake. But just the notoriety that he brings, and you know, in without trying to get things, I know people are all super sensitive these days, but like, um, you look at what's going on in the country, right? And I think it was the number one recruit in basketball this year, literally tweeted out like going to an HBCU would not be yeah. that bad. And Deion Sanders in his introductory speech said, you know, I'm doing this for my people. Deion, if he wanted a school like North New Mexico State would have hired Deion Sanders. He said, hey, I want to come coach football because they all see what he'll be able to do. I think this is really good for HBCUs. I think it puts them on the map. You're starting to see what they just swayed a transfer from Auburn. I think they swayed a top recruit recently. Uh, his kid, I think, is trying to go there now. Like, Watch out, Jackson. Like, there, It's about to become the new NCA and T I mean, NCA and T might be making the right time to get out of the celebration bowl competition. Cause I don't think they're about to run that ship anymore. Uh, what Dion's doing, I think is great. I think it's going to bring a lot of light to HBCUs and has already brought a lot of national attention to HBCUs. And I think you're about to see this program be good. And I hope it leads into things like basketball where honestly, where you go to school is not actually as important. I mean, you look at John Morant, right? There's an example. He's not at Duke. He's not North Carolina. He's not Kentucky. So, uh, and you've seen Gonzaga guys go. And if you go to a program and you're good, like, yeah, you might not go number one, but I would like to see, you know, I don't know. I this obviously, it's not something I can touch on too much, but I just think in my opinion, and I could be wrong. Sorry if somebody disagrees and is offended by it, but like, that's the best way to create this change is like, you know, this is something that people can be prideful in, like really prideful. And you see what the HBCUs do in attendance in football in the FCS. And I think if you see some of these like young stud athletes make that choice to go, 
I'm going to sacrifice a little bit of glory for playing for these programs where I'm just another, you know, clog in the chain to actually going out there and like putting a program on the map and kind of reliving some of that history that used to be there. That's kind of faded with, you know, everybody else starting to pick these top players. I, I think it's a great hire. I think they're going to be good. I don't think they're going to be good right away. Uh, yeah, it, we'll see how good of a coach Dion is. But the thing is, is Dion is smart and probably knows he's probably not the best football coach, but he's going to be one damn good recruiter. And so he'll get some athletes in there that are better than anybody else and or anything that Jackson was, State was going to be able to get otherwise. And, I mean, it's – it's a great hire. I, I like you said. Sorry, Bo Baldwin. Sorry, Ed McCaffrey. Like this is now the splash hire in the FCS. Prime time. Neon Dion, the two sport athlete, coaching yeah. in the middle of Mississippi at a school that until now, other than what Walter Payton, nobody had probably ever heard of. Yeah, I mean, back in the day, you know, there were some athletes that came out of there. I still think they have. Them and Grambling, or maybe it's Alcorn, has the most draft picks for an FCS team. Um, so they've had some athletes, but you know, I don't want to get too political on this podcast or whatever, but I do think we are going to see an uptick in the amount of um, really stud players wanting to go to an HBCU school. There's a sense of pride, you know, like you mentioned, um, the number one or top three athlete in college basketball. You know, an HBCU school was in his final three picks. I don't know if he ever ended up making a decision, but it was between like Kansas, Kentucky, and, you know, an HBCU school that a lot of people probably aren't familiar with if you're not in the South or follow HBCU. But I do think we are going to see an uptick of really phenomenal athletes who are getting scholarships to big time programs that are going to be coming into the HBCUs. And this is a perfect opportunity for the SWAC to say, guess what, guys? Our, our teams are talented again. We are going, well, they were always talented, but our teams can compete at the national FCS level. Let's join the playoffs. The Miacs, yeah. you know, they're pretty much folding. They're, they're looking to be done. Um, they're participating in the playoffs this fall or this spring, I guess you would say, because the celebration bowl, I don't think it got renewed for the spring. It's going to be happening in the fall again, but you know, with NCA and T out, um, I think, I think we're going to see maybe the SWAC want to come back in the playoffs, especially when they start getting these big time premier four star kids. Cause I do think that's going to happen. It's not just going to be the Ivy leagues grabbing four stars. I think some of these HBCU schools are going to be able to grab some four star kids and they are going to wreak havoc on a lot of the FCS. I think it's just, it's going to happen with how today's world and culture is. Um, I think they're going to be a sense of pride going into HBU school. And I, for one, I'm excited to see it happen. I think it's going to be a good, I think the HBCUs are, well, to be honest, they're already a good look for the FCS level. They, they pack in their stadiums. Those rivalry big time classic games are awesome. There's, there's games that fit 50,000, 70,000, you know, seats in a stadium to watch an SCS game because it's a classic rivalry. Those will be on the national stage again. Um, Jackson State already had 33,000 35,000 fans in attendance. Dion could potentially make them up to 40,000. Their stadium seats, what, 60-plus, 70,000? Yeah. So they have the room to grow, and you better believe that first game at Jackson State is going to be booming. The house will be packed. What's your over-under on attendance? I, I'm going to say over 50. Uh, I mean, I, I, I would imagine it's a sellout because 
if you're in the middle of Mississippi, especially when they're going to be playing in the spring, man, like if why if you're an Ole Miss fan, why would you not go? If you're a Mississippi State fan, why would you not go? It's prime time. Neon Dion. You also are going to be not in season, and you're going to get football in the spring. This is a great way to bring attendance to the FCS. But yeah, you, you brought it up mid. So it's Mississippi Veterans Memorial Stadium. Capacity is 60,492. Record attendance, 62,512 against Alcorn in 1996. They actually have a couple of these. So whatever they did to get 62,512, whether it's a set like Eastern does and they roll out some bleachers for big attendance, I expect this game, 63,000. They're going to pack the extra 500 in there. They're going to break the record. There's no reason not to. If you've been able to sell that stadium out for these games and you've never had a coach like Deion Sanders, it's going to happen. It, it, they're going to break their attendance record game one because that fan base will be starved for Jackson State football. The rest of the country, it's the first time they've probably ever heard of Jackson State. So they're going to have eyes in. I wouldn't be surprised if ESPN picks it up. Oh, probably not ESPN because Deion works for Barstool now, and they don't like them. So Fox Sports or CBS <laughs> picks it up. Somebody is going to pick this game up, and it will be nationally televised, I bet you. And like you said, it is not like uh, any HBCU could have pulled this off or any coach could have pulled this off. Neon is is like they could have gone and hired Randy Moss, right? And it's not going to have this effect. Deion Sanders is a one-of-a-kind, unique personality. He's doing it for the right reasons. He had other opportunities he probably could have taken, um, and he chose to do this. So the story is good. All the pieces are there for this to just be fairy book or you know fairy tale storybook. Uh, I, I expect they break the attendance record game one, and I agree with you. Uh, I mean, maybe this is exactly the point of you keep keep the HB or the Celebration Bowl. Maybe we're further away from losing the Celebration Bowl than we've ever have been. But in this, I mean, never a bad thing to have it. I agree. I think most people would agree that we'd like to see all the FCS conferences, including the HBCUs and the Ivy League competing in the FCS playoffs. But either way, man, it's going to be so much fun to watch. And it's going to bring so many more eyes to the FCS for the right reasons that um, I'm stoked. Yeah, I really can't wait. I do think it will be picked up by some type of national, you know, media, like you said, Fox, CBS. Barstool will broadcast it. (laughs) Dude, they probably will. Yeah, it's going to be insane to see, you know, is he going to have the success overnight? Probably not. But guess what? Who cares? It's Deion Sanders. I'm going to watch. I'm going to be a fan unless Eastern Washington is playing at the same time. That will probably be the only game I will watch over Jackson State's primetime game. So they, so they kick off February 27th at home against Mississippi Valley State. Ooh, Jerry Rice will be in the building. Deion Sanders yeah. will be in you the building. No, Deion Sanders sent an invite to old JR right there. And we're going to have Jerry Rice. Like that game, what, that game right Jerry there Rice has eyes. Coaching? What if Jerry Rice is like, you know what? Mississippi Valley Yo. State, you're trash. You've been bad for so long. I'm coming back in the FCS. I'm coming back. We're going to make a splash. And then you have Deion Sanders, Jerry Rice. Boom, boom. Oh my gosh. I can only see the fireworks. Their only other home games. They go two away at that point. Grambling state, Alabama state. Then they're home March 27th against Prairie View A&M. Then home April 10th against Alabama A&M. And that's it. They only get three home games. So you best believe Mississippi Valley state. Just being that is Jerry Rice's school. That is the perfect. I'd like to see Grambling just because they have history too. But yeah. 
Mississippi Valley State is probably the perfect pick for that. I mean, dude, like you said, Jerry Rice will be in the nope. house. Like that, it's, be gonna some, be, it's nationally televised. They're going to break the attendance record, 100%. There, there's going to be some COVID restrictions the week before, and the whole state of Mississippi is going to be like, guys, hold up. Restrictions off. We want we want to pack to this house. Yeah, that, that's my prediction. Yeah, because that's an in-state <laughs> rivalry too, right? Isn't Mississippi Valley State in uh, Mississippi? Yes. Yeah. No, duh. Well, yeah. Well, hey, hey, the Ohio Valley Conference doesn't have any team from Ohio in it. So, well, all right, but Mississippi Valley State guys, you heard that from the Harvard of the Palouse, Mr. Chris Hammond asked, "Is Mississippi Valley State in Mississippi?" Correct. I said, uh, "Isn't." It's in like. Correct me if I'm wrong, not is it as in, please tell me. <laughs> I love it, man. Well, hey, we are coming up on an hour. Um, do you have any question? Because you submitted like 45. Do you, you know, I'll let you do the last question. One of yours that you picked. I don't care what it is. I don't even know if you remember what they are. Nope. But I'm going to let Sussed. you do, wing it said- off the top of your head then. Who cares? I'm going to let you do the last question of the night uh, before we sign off. All right. Well, biggest winner from the fall. I mean, I know it's not over, so things could change. But as of now, who is the biggest winner from playing a fall season? And then who's maybe your biggest loser from playing a fall season? Um, I think the biggest winner is actually going to be Bailey Zapp. And we already talked about him in the beginning. You know, he had a great year this this offseason, or I mean last year. You know, he was in the top 10 for the voting. He was killing it. Um, he put up pretty crazy numbers. But everyone was like, ah, he's still just not quite good enough. I, I asked the page who's the now since Trey Lance is gone, who is going to be, you know, the favorites for the Walter Payton. The easy answer is Eric Berrier. I put Eric Berrier as number two. The type of season Bailey Zapp is having right now, 15 touchdowns, one interception, and it's only been what four games? Astronomical. I don't I don't know if even my goat, Eric Berrier, can do that. Um, so I, I think the biggest winner, I'm not gonna go with a team because I don't think any of them have looked that great decides Bailey Zapp. I think Bailey Zapp has looked like the best player in the FCS right now. Um, Even though, you know, Trey Lance is the best player um, just because he will go drafted, you know, like we just said in the beginning. But I think, I think Bailey Zapp is the, is the winner of the fall. So, and your, who's your biggest loser? Biggest loser. Um, You know, I want to say Trey Lance because of how bad he looked throwing the ball in the first half. But guess what? He's still a top 15 pick. He is still a winner. Um, I could only wish to do what Trey Lance has done in his career. So, um, no, it's it's definitely not going to be Trey Lance. He's going to be in the top 15 probably. So, I'm going to say my biggest loser is Austin P. And it's because, guess what? They were the favorites to win the OVC. Um, They're still going to be playing, you know, an OVC schedule. They have to win the OVC now to make the playoffs. There's no way with what they've done. They're 0-3, um, and I think they have a couple of FBS games or something like that. No, they're done, done. They're done, done. Yeah. Um, yeah, so they have to win the OVC to get a chance to go to the playoffs because guess what? The playoffs just got cut. They got cut to 16 teams. That means there is not going to be a many, ch- many opportunities for a 7-1 and team at a conference. Um, but guess what? Seven and one in the OVC looks better than seven and four. It just does. So if if Austin P did not play and they went seven and one in the OVC, only lost to let's say Jacksonville State, who goes eight and zero, they still look like a bubble team. But since they lost three games, one of them was to you know Central Arkansas, the other were to FBS schools, and I know 
that shouldn't judge. But seven and one overall looks better than seven and four. The biggest losers, Austin P. You made a couple money games, but you just lost your chance to go to the playoffs unless you completely win the conference. So uh, this is why I think you and I make a great team on this. I uh, we're going to disagree kind of uh, off the bat. I think my biggest loser is Houston Baptist because I actually do not think when the season rolls around they're going to have Bailey Zap. I, so, I see it. Okay. So yeah, uh, yeah. It was a, so I guess in a way we do agree. Uh, it was a win for Zap, which means Houston Baptist is a huge loser here. Obvious winners. I do agree with you. Austin P. It got really difficult. Um, I think the Citadel maybe took a step back in people's minds. Oh, you look at. They you should look have at, always been. They should have always taken a step back. I am tired of hearing about the Citadel saying, "We're back. We're going to be so good. We're a playoff caliber team." No, you aren't. Until you prove it multiple years yeah. in a row, you are not good enough. The Citadel. I'm just saying it. You're not. Eastern Kentucky absolutely got smoked in most of their games they played, so they took a step back. Uh, you look at Campbell. Campbell's a school that really seemed to capitalize uh, on playing in the fall. They, they had a couple close games, probably should have won against Georgia Southern. Um, it was a good Sunbelt team, so you look at them, probably win on their case. They are not playing in the spring, so that kind of hurts them, but once again, they weren't going to be in the playoffs anyway, so for them, it's hard to say they didn't win, but you still got to go the obvious winner. Stephen F. Austin makes sense because they weren't going to make the playoffs either. So I'm glad they're playing, but they're less of a winner than Campbell. Uh, but you look at UCA. I know people are going to be like, huh? Like, why them? But you look at where did I just, I just had them pulled up and I deleted it. But you look at, right? They start ESPN uh, football. Sorry. I can't believe I deleted it right before I'm supposed to talk about it. So you look at their you schedule here. Yeah, well, yeah, but here's the deal. Once again, will they made the SCS playoffs? Hmm, probably. Probably. But will they have won the championship? No. No. Now you've got a nationally televised game against Austin P, which, yes, it would have been anyways, but this year particularly people were starving for football week zero because they were fearful that it wouldn't happen, period. So they got more eyes than they normally would on a week zero game and didn't have to share it with anybody else. Then they had a televised game against UAB. So... Right there, they've got more eyes. Then everybody that's tuning in, all these scouts are there for watching them play North Dakota State, which they had a good showing in. So right there, even though it was ESPN Plus or ESPN 3, more people tuned in to that ESPN 3 game than probably any other game this year will get. Now they're about to have an in-state game against Arkansas State. You know people in Arkansas are going to tune in. Uh, and you know That's probably it. There's not a lot of winning pass here. But the fact that you got three or two nationally televised games. You had a game that basically should have been nationally televised against North Dakota State. And then you have a very comp- a game where I really am excited to watch them play Arkansas State. I think they're the biggest winners. They are going to come out of this playing multiple FCS or FBS teams. So they got a little bit of a payday out of it. They got a lot of national attention out of it. And I think in the end, this is going to set them up really well to make a push in the next couple two to three seasons. That it, then it would have been had they played an FCS spring season. They still would have made the playoffs, maybe the quarterfinals, optimistically the semifinals, probably not. So you look at that, they're just another team that struggles to make it out of the quarterfinals so they play in the spring. Instead, they got two nationally televised games, a showcase game against North Dakota State, and in their own state are going to get a sh- like game against Arkansas State. So I think it's hard to say they did not win. Uh, and other, But yeah, I agree with you, other than them, 
Campbell and Stephen F. Austin, everybody else I actually think is a loser at this point. I, I don't think it benefited any of them to play, including North Dakota State. Uh, it, if anything, like you said, Trey Lance looked human for a little bit there. And people that tuned in literally had no idea who UCA is unless they're FCS people. And they did. It was competitive for longer than most of the nation thought when they get a game day segment where it's North Dakota State is so good, right? And then they struggle against this team that most people have never heard about. Now, us in the FCS ranks know that they're, that's not the case, but. Yeah, um, if anything, North Dakota, North Dakota State may have looked like the biggest loser, too, because guess what? There are tons of their seniors who played are opting out, too. Yeah. Um, so. The whole team did not look great. They didn't look like a championship caliber team. Of course they won, but they did not look like a title contending team. Everyone thought they were going to destroy, you know, central Arkansas. Now you got their quarterback leaving Matt, Matt Frazee showed me a picture and I don't know if it's, you know, shareable, but they're only going to have 50% of the, the players who played in, you know, fall game or were starters last year returning. It, it's not, or even less than 50%. That's a big ordeal to take. Sure, they got some experience, but we didn't get to see their backups who were going to be starting in the spring play. So they didn't get the game time experience because it was such a close game. They didn't rotate as much as they normally do. Um, I think actually North Dakota State was probably one of the bigger losers in in the fall. They just so, were. So tune in next week when we start this show with is North Dakota State's dynasty over? Question mark. And that will be it for the no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Ah, uh, yeah, there it's not over, but I like that. I like your train of thought. It's gonna get some you know, people going. That's probably gonna be the title for this episode. Just, just you know, a little clickbaity. The dynasty is done. Um, but <laughs> hey, man, we appreciate you guys coming and, and listening to the podcast. We really do. I know you guys were bugging us for a couple months, and we were we were slow. It was a weird season. COVID happened. Not all of our teams playing. It's just weird. But you know what? We did it. Um, thankfully, Chris was able to jump on with me. So, guys, you can find us Apple, Google, whatever, wherever you listen to your podcast, you know where we are. Um, but it's FCS Fans Nation podcast, man. And Chris, thanks. The new admin, thanks for jumping on here. I think you're a great asset to the team. We're going to be recording some fun episodes in the future. Any yes. last remarks? Uh, yeah, I would say for those of you that made it, thank you. Because uh, as two experienced podcasters like you and myself, I will admit, and we've had multiple episodes together. I felt like our beginning was kind of rocky. Like maybe it's because we jumped like right in the NFL, but like five minutes in, I was like, Oh, I don't think this is going very well at all. But hopefully for those of you that made it this far and you listened, you think we turned it around. And uh, I feel like at the end, we, we've got a pretty good, pretty good episode for the FCS fans nation folks. And uh, thank you. To we missed you. Yeah. Right. And thank you to everybody else that's out there for supporting the page. And, um, it's cool that I'm a part of it. And so hope some of you I know know me, but for those of you that don't, um, yeah, make sure to say what's up. And I hope to get involved with some of you that I haven't been involved with more as uh, the season kicks off and we're all, we're all chitting and chatting and trash talking Montana together more. Exactly. And I'm going to do it. Um, I'm going to say it. Go Eags. Boom. <laughs>